Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 97, the double review for Bad Boys for Life and 1917. West and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, the on 55 and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And yeah, here we are with our first double review of 2020. It still feels weird to say that. I still want to say 2019, but you know, I guess we'll adjust to that in about, I don't know, for me at least another couple months. Uh, but yeah, apologies for this review being so late. I had initially planned to review both Bad Boys for Life and 1917 in a separate episode, but then I was thinking... Since these films are such polar opposites and have given me, like, you know, was it different types of experiences, I thought it would be pretty interesting to have them both in the same singular episode. So I had had that planned. You know, I'd watched, like, Bad Boys for Life opening night and then 1917 about maybe a week, maybe a week and a half afterwards. But as per usual, life likes to throw spanners in the works, and um, I just had so much other random stuff to do with work and um, some of my, like, illustration projects on the side so I've been trying to pull myself in several different directions to try to pull certain things off so that's why this has been as delayed as it is but regardless Bad Boys for Life and 1917 are both very interesting films that have been released this year now I know technically 1917 is a 2019 film and had a small release last year before having its wider release in January this year but since I saw it this year I'm gonna go about and throw it out there and I really need to talk about that movie and I obviously know that most people have thrown out their opinions about these films already, but I can't go on doing this podcast without sharing my thoughts on both of those films. So I'm going to be doing the reviews in the order that I saw them, Bad Boys first, and then we'll be talking about 1917. So without further ado, let's jump in. Okay, so firstly we have Bad Boys for Life. Now, Bad Boys for Life, also known as Bad Boys 3, it's weird that this film exists because it was talked about for so long. Whether you know you're talking to Michael Bay or Will Smith or the certain small interviews that Martin Lawrence would give, everyone was saying, "Oh yeah, you know we'd be down to do it if we eventually got around to it." But there was always some sort of scheduling conflict or you know just people willing wanting to will it into existence, but it just wasn't happening. And you know Michael Bay was continuously making films, especially in the last like what almost 10-ish years of making like Transformers sequel after sequel and uh, Will Smith once he decided to start making movies again with like uh, Men in Black 3 and then onwards from there his schedule started to like really pick up after like Suicide Squad so it was just a case of loads of fans trying to will it into existence but like a lot of film projects that get pushed back or keep getting talked about year after year you keep thinking yeah it'd be nice if it showed up but I doubt it will but then we got a director, we got some writers, and the film went into production, and now it exists. It is in the real world. And it's just so weird that, like, uh, you know, again, when you have those sort of sequels that people want, but you don't think they're going to happen, and they do end up happening, it's just that surreal feeling where it's just like, there's a Bad Boys 3 in the world right now. And you know what? It's pretty darn good. Now, before the film came out, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not the biggest Bad Boys fan. And that's not to say I hate the movies. I found the first one pretty good and the second one sort of okay. I can understand why people like it, but 
I came to these films late. I didn't see Bad Boys 1 and 2 until I think maybe about 2008, 2009. And, you know, I thought they were good, but I wasn't like, they didn't resonate with me in the same way that, you know, some other people did. Um, and yeah, with the concept of a Bad Boys 3 on the horizon, I was just thinking, if Michael Bay comes back to this, I don't know if it will still have that same fun factor because there was a point in time where Michael Bay was making fun movies or films that you could at least tolerate. But after, like, you know, was he got lost in Transformers land, he sort of started to create, like, you know, a web of his own design, which just had all of his Michael Bay-isms that just became so infuriating. And, you know, there are points, even in that period after, like, say, Transformers uh, Revenge of the Fallen. Is that the name of that one? Transformers 2 from 2009? Yeah, anyway, after that point, I still watched a couple of his movies here and there because there were elements, technically, which were pretty impressive, and there were there was just something fascinating about watching the way in which he could make explosions show up out of the most inexplicably strange of places, you know? Um, and some of those explosions were very, very impressive, the way in which he constructed them. But at the same time, Michael Bay sort of just, after a while, created this uh, sea of his own hubris and foolishness that I don't think even he can escape from and that just made watching his film such an endurance test so after watching Six Underground on Netflix like uh, at the start of the year I was just like oh my god this is the worst of all the things I dislike about Michael Bay and at the time I wasn't aware before watching Bad Boys for Life that he wasn't actually directing it but it definitely makes sense once you find out who directed it it's just like oh they clearly try to like make the new bad boys feel in line with the original too but it doesn't have any of those horrible michael bay isms to the extreme that we have them right now in his more recent films so i'm just like yeah that's good so yeah straight up bad boys for life was such a nice surprise i thought the film would be all right i thought the trailers were fine but they didn't really do anything for me personally but i came out of that film just feeling so elated I was very happy. It was a delightfully fun and dumb movie, but it was also very hilarious. And yeah, it was just a good time in the cinema. So, as per usual as we do with these reviews, we'll talk about the story, characters, presentation, and then the conclusion, and then we'll move on to 1917. Alright, so when it comes to the story, it can be summed up as the following. Marcus and Mike have to confront new issues as they join the newly created elite team Ammo of the Miami Police Department to take down a ruthless drug lord who has shown up in the Miami drug cartel. And that is basically the way of summing up the story without going into the area of spoilers. So yeah, like I said before, this film felt consistent with the previous films, but it also felt like it got taken into the modern era of films. There's just certain over-the-top crazy and, you know, Michael Bay-ish kind of things that was done during the early 2000s and even the late 90s that, you know, just wouldn't fly in the same kind of way in this modern age of filmmaking. And I'm just glad that they were able to basically just show restraint, still have that sort of crazy action, nice chemistry, good storytelling, but also have a little bit of depth and also have a little bit of, like, introspective and retrospective elements it just felt nice so i just enjoyed this film for the amount of restraint that it showed because while some of the overtop elements of the bad boy films are what make people like you know like them especially for number two i just like the fact that there was a better focus on story and character material in this film the type of story that this film was telling with the main characters like you know facing you know new issues in terms of career changes 
midlife crises, like, you know, facing their own mortality and trying to figure out what they were going to do with their lives as they were getting older. Yeah, all that kind of stuff has been done before, but the way in which it was handled felt natural for, like, you know, was it Mike and Marcus in this film? And there was just a lot more sincerity and, you know, a lot more depth to this film than I was expecting, especially with the way in which certain aspects of the uh, main characters and the villains sort of play out. And yeah, it was also very funny. That was the key thing about this film that really elevated it for me. Again, I saw the trailers and I was thinking, yeah, this could be alright at best, but as I'm watching the film, during the first half at least, I'm like, oh yeah, some of this is pretty decent, I can see what they're doing here. You got a few smiles and chuckles out of me, but towards the second half of the film, they just turned the switch. Everything was stupidly funny, and it was just the timing the jokes that were landing so consistently and some of the dialogue that like all of these different characters got to you know throughout there it was perfectly timed it had just that right zing and everybody in the theater was laughing i was laughing my mate was laughing i haven't laughed that consistently at anything for years and while most of the humor that i have enjoyed mainly comes from like a lot of the marvel films I felt like this was way more consistent than that and while I'm a very picky person when it comes to humor in films especially when it comes to like comedies this film was just funny it was great and Mike and Marcus just had so many great moments especially Marcus but we'll get to that when we talk about the characters all right now it's time to talk about the cast and pretty much everybody does a pretty solid job in this film but I will try to list them all off as quickly as possible. So firstly, you have Will Smith for Martin Lawrence as Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. These guys are still killing it. Man, Smith and Lawrence haven't lost that wonderful chemistry that made their pairing such a wonderful thing in the last two movies. It was one of those sort of things where, you know, obviously after some time has passed, you wonder if like two actors who had like such a zing, such a energy about them would be able to re captured that kind of magic in like uh, the modern era after like you know nearly 20 years apart and Smith and Loris are great. Will Smith he's my dude he's always pretty consistent in everything I've seen him in and I like this version of Mike he's still you know a very energetic crazy kind of guy running into situations headfirst without properly thinking about it and this film really allows him to go about and like uh, just see a different side of him and like understand what's going on in his mindset he goes through a lot of random stuff and a lot of heavy stuff in this film and it was great to see his character get fleshed out but also even more interesting was to see what happened with Marcus Marcus has always been the comedy relief and Lawrence really gets to shine oh my god he was so funny he had so many incredible lines and just the exchanges he had with everybody he, he was pitch perfect and seeing what was going on with this character in terms of him like you know wanting to basically quit the force like you know chill out it was a nice polar opposite to uh mike's character and then just seeing how those guys butted heads and then had to come together at one point it was pretty good and everybody else in the film was just really good paola nunez as rita i don't know where this woman has been hiding but she is amazing she was incredibly beautiful but also i really enjoyed her character in this film and like the sort of relationship she had with uh, mike was pretty cool the people in her little task force were also cool my favorites being vanessa hudgens and alexander ludwig as kelly and dawn all those guys had like some pretty nice interactions so if there is a sequel i'd like to see those guys back in some capacity 
And then you have the villain, who happens to be Jacob Scipio as Armando Armas. And he was pretty cool. He ran around very efficient. And I, at first, I thought he's just a bit of a generic villain. But once you find out what's going on with him in the film, he starts to become a lot more interesting. The same can be said for Kate Del DeCasto as Isabel Aretes. And she was great. She was also like the other part of like, you know, this villain puzzle and finding out what was going on with her and how it related to her son. And again, as the film progresses, it's like, oh, okay, these people have turned from generic you know, I've seen this kind of before, like, you know, characters do, oh, okay, there's a little bit more depth to them. And yeah, the way in which they were handled were pretty good. I also enjoyed the return of Joe Pantoliano as Captain Conrad Howard. He was great. He had so many hilarious moments and he still has that great energy that he brought to the previous films. And Teresa Randall as well as Marcus's wife, she was wonderful. She had just a few great moments where I'm just like, I'm glad to see you back as well. And when it comes to the presentation, the film was pretty solid. Now, it didn't reach some of those crazy heights of like, you know, Bad Boys 2 and stuff, but it was great that we got these cool chase sequences, some of these nice hand-to-hand combat moments, and it also was able to show that Mike and Marcus, despite their age, were still able to throw down during some of these sequences, although it was able to show their age and how they were able to be outdone by people that were younger than them as well. But yeah, there was just some good car chases, crashes, action sequences. It was all done pretty well. And some of it was done to comedic effect and some of the timing, again, pitch perfect. So that leads us to the conclusion, what did I think of Bad Boys for Life? It was pretty darn good and I would recommend you see it. I think it's still going to be running in the cinema for at least a couple more weeks because it's doing the rounds in terms of getting money in. So yeah, this was a fun film and I know that they said in the market, oh yeah, this is going to be the one last ride. But I'm sure that they're going to do another one because there's already been talk about there being another Bad Boys film and yeah, why not? It was fun. It was the most restrained Bad Boys like, you know, experience since the first one. It didn't have any of those crazy Michael Bayisms that I find incredibly frustrating. And it was just a good time. It was just a fun time. And again, the pairing of Martin Lawrence and Will Smith has never been stronger and I want to see more. So yeah, check it out. Alright, and now it's time to talk about 1917. Now, this is a film I've been curious about for a while, but it wasn't until around the time of its release when I really started to pay attention. Now, I like Sam Mendes as a director. He's pretty good. I like Roger Deakins as a cinematography. He is incredible. And then, finding out that Thomas Newman was doing the music for the film, I'm like, yo, man, that's a trifecta of intense power. This could be great. And I remember seeing the trailer for it in the cinema, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. But I don't know how it escaped my mind that this was supposed to be one of those single take films that was just, you know, one continuous shot from start to finish. After I found that out, literally, I think was it maybe, I don't know, a week before the film was coming out, I was like, oh, oh, that has potential to be pretty darn good. And at least with the early reviews that came out in December and then obviously the subsequent reviews that showed up in January, everyone was lauding the film, talking about it as the, you know, the best thing ever. I was like, okay, okay, you have my interest now. Um, I was supposed to watch it opening day, but again, because of like time conflicts and stuff like that, I ended up having not to see it until the week after. But yeah, I saw the movie and good Lord, it was good. Really, really good. I don't think I've had such a transformative experience in the cinema for quite some time. 
and there's been films that I've enjoyed for different reasons but this film had it struck a certain chord with me sort of in the same way that Parasite did and a couple other films that I can't think of right now but that have shown up in the last couple years where I'm just like oh well this film is just what I like you know but yeah I'll get into the specifics as we go in in the review so as per usual we're talking about the story characters presentation and then the overall conclusion so without further ado we're going to jump in all right and now it's time to talk about the plot and it can be summed up as the following during world war one two young british soldiers are tasked with doing an impossible mission they have to deliver a message deep into enemy territory that will stop 1600 men from walking into a deadly trap set up by the germans and this mission is of extra importance because one of the soldiers happens to have his brother among those men who are going to be talking walking into that trap and that is essentially the plot of the film without going into the area spoilers now i have seen a handful of war films in my time and some have been more captivating than others but this one is a very interesting film it's basically a simple task but during the most impossible of circumstances i can only barely imagine the sort of fear that one would face during that situation because you're in the midst of war you could be killed at any time and you're doing this because it's not only the right thing to do but you're also trying to save a lot of lives and the amount of adversity that these two go through just trying to get to said location the people they meet along the way and the trials and adversity is just insane because of the way in which this film is constructed, there is no way for you to hide away from what is happening. It's very intimate, it's very tense. The tension during a lot of these sequences, or like small scenes, is crazy. And it's one of those sort of films where it shows very easily the unpredictability of war. Not only for all of the, you know, crazy and chaotic elements, but also these sort of subtle moments. And that's one of the things that me and a friend of mine were discussing recently where this film has some moments to be introspective have these subtle and heartwarming moments or moments of humor or moments of beauty in the midst of all this war there are these sort of moments where you're allowed to breathe take things in and just sort of experience for a few minutes or so these sort of beautiful elements that exists within the war or these sort of rays of light in the midst of darkness and it was just handled really effectively sam mendes's direction was really solid and this is a story that regardless of whether you whether you know how this story will play out because i'm i'm pretty sure we all know how it was going to play out regardless it's just the journey of getting from point a to point b which is just so captivating and it's just it stressed me out so much because I'm watching this movie and I'm just like I'm having a good time but good god could just stop could just stop playing with my emotions like that I'm dying over here but yeah the the story was just very captivating from start to end alright now it's time to talk about the cast and everybody in this film was absolutely fantastic everyone put in a fine performance and yeah, the main people that people will be talking about in this film will be Dean Charles Chapman and George McKay as Lance Corporal Blake and Lance Corporal Schofield. Both of those guys had a really good on-screen chemistry and obviously since they're the main characters, you follow them throughout like, you know, their crazy journey. And I just like the energy that they brought to the film. They were very captivating characters and 
I just really enjoyed the performances. They were able to be like, you know, funny, but also very engaging, very heartfelt. And um, George McKay, especially, he was great. He put in the effort. Both of these guys are great. I don't think I've really seen them in anything before, but they will definitely be having like, you know, promising careers after this. And then there's just the rest of the other British actors who show up in this film. So if you know your like, you know, it was the English actors left, right, and center, they start to make appearances all over the place. And I don't want to spoil some of their appearances in case you want to see them for yourselves. But besides of the obvious ones that were in the trailer, like you know, was it Benedict Cumberbatch and Colin Firth who did really good stuff in their roles? There was just this thing where me and my uncle because obviously we're both English geezers watching the film and seeing how many these people just showed up I'm like oh I know him from this film I know him from that TV show it was great but there was one reveal which was so perfect I was having a moment so you know when you watch films and then someone is on screen and you just hear their voice and you're just like I'm pretty sure I know who that is but I'm not sure but I'm pretty sure so there was this one character who walked into frame but he was out of shot so you couldn't see his face so he walked onto screen so you could just see his feet but then as he walked into frame I'm like oh my god it's him I knew it was him and it was one of my favorite character introductions of anyone I've seen for years probably since the introduction of Black Panther in Civil War I know that's a random reference but you know follow me here I just like good character introductions and I'm just like I'm so glad that this guy was in this film and it was such a perfect reveal for him I was a happy boy but yeah uh, just spotting all the English actors who show up in this film throughout was so much fun. And now it's time to talk about the presentation, which everybody has gushed about. Rightly so, because this film, especially in the visual department, is so good. It is incredible. This is visually one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, and the camera work is maddening. It is just next level perfection here, you know what I mean? The choice to have this as one continuous shot throughout was very interesting, but seeing it play out is something special. The way in which the camera ducks and weaves in and out of characters and location, whether you're deep in trenches or underground or out in the field, you feel so close to the action. You're forced into this journey and you can't escape. And it's that kind of intimacy that really adds to the overall experience. And if you're an Eagle Eye fan, you'll probably be able to notice the cuts the way in which it's done is still very impressive. Seeing the way in which everything flows and the way in which scenes transition together is so beautifully crafted. Obviously, the person who's handling the cinematography is the brilliant Roger Deakins, and he has outdone himself in this film. This man has been responsible for some of the most beautiful stuff I've ever seen in a lot of my favorite movies. He has made some of the cinematography for three of my all-time favorite movies, The Shawshank Redemption, Skyfall, and Blade Runner 2049. And while this film, this other film, Sicario, isn't one of my all-time favorite films, it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, some of the sequences he's been able to construct with natural daylight and framing and just like these long shots is insane. This man is some sort of cinematography god. And... He is literally just taking everything to a new level with this film. I just love the way in which everything was composed, framed, the way in which certain characters came in and out of frame, the way in which the action was done, everything was done with purpose. I just love the way in which the film looks, the choice of color and light and shadows is great, 
And of course, I'm sure that most people have talked about this already, but there is one sequence in particular where one of the characters is moving and just the use of light and shadow and the way in which the camera tracks this person throughout the sequence, I was having a moment. Like I've said in this podcast before, there's a few moments when you're watching a film where you you know you're witnessing movie magic, and that was movie magic to me. It was the combination of everything I was seeing on screen along with the music. And speaking of the music, we have the godlike sounds of Thomas Newman handling the film score, and this man is amazing. I feel like Thomas Newman is one of those film composers who doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. He's been behind some of my all-time favorite music, again, with Shawshank and Skyfall being like two of my all-time favorite sounds ever. And in this film, he just took everything to a new level. The music in this film is one of the absolutely vital elements that make the film work. I know a lot of people talk about the direction of cinematography and while those two elements are absolutely key to making this film great it's the music which is the final piece of the puzzle that makes everything coalesce in this fantastic way it's very emotive it works on every level whether it's able to be you know subtle and subdued or being loud and intense and i was listening to the music as soon as i got back from seeing the film it was absolutely amazing Alright, so now it comes to the conclusion. What did I think of 1917? If you couldn't tell already, I thought the film was bloody brilliant. If I was to retroactively change my list for 2019 films, this would be definitely my number two, just behind Parasite. And yeah, again, it's so strange for me as not really that big of a fan of war films just to be so as engaged in this film as I was, but it was bloody good. And if you're at least interested in the film, I highly recommend it. It is... It's stellar. So, that will bring these reviews to a close. What did you think of Bad Boys for Life in 1917? Did you like them? Did you dislike them? Did you think they were overhyped? Or, you know, was it? did I oversell some of them? Let me know in the comment section below or holler at me on Twitter where I'm at Hyperson55 or at FilmFocus55. And yeah, we'll be definitely having a lot more film reviews as, like, you know, time goes on because January's been a little dry for films, at least in terms of ones that I've been wanting to see. But things are definitely going to pick up in February because there's some interesting movies on the horizon which could either be pretty good, pretty amazing, or really trash. So I will be looking forward to covering those when they come. So look forward to that. And yeah, I guess we'll call this episode of Film Focus to a close. So thank you for listening as always. And until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.